And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk and get the Athletic for 30 percent off an annual subscription with me as always on wednesdays is my good friend alex spears alex what's up what's up andrew in the comments twice god says he's gonna be at the game tonight for the first time since 2009 oh wow twice god i'm gonna be there too come say hello it's been a decade come say hello if you're at the game, feel free to come say hello. I'm. He'll get. A, why would you say that? They'll get arrested if they come and see you because you're down on Media Row. Come say hello. You can do that. They don't let people down there. <laughs> just, just wave. Just wave hello. Uh, I'll be, I'll be moseying around trying to, you know, find some treats while I'm at the arena. So find some treats. <laughs> the <A little> psycho. <laughs> uh, it's true. It's true. If you see me heading back to my seat with arms full of treats, my my family's going to the game tonight. Uh, big shouts to special guest Royce Young for hooking us up. Um, nice. Our family will be there, so I will be. You you might see me walking up and down the stands with lots of treats. So, um, should be fun. Should be a fun game. We have the uh, the tanking Super Bowl coming to Oklahoma City tonight. Part four? Part is this the fourth time? Yes. Goodness, <laughs> man. I, I it's am, over though. This is the final. This is the finale. I'm so glad. I, I'm so one, I'm tired of like thinking about the Rockets. <laughs> I'm tired mm-hmm. of watching the Rockets. Uh, yeah. I am so glad this is it. Because it's and and I really hope that this ends up being a uh, one in three endeavor for the Thunder. Uh, that would be pretty wild. It would if be. they were able to come away this season with a one and three record against the Rockets. What a roller coaster! Really it's impressive been so far in the three games. Like the first game, they just get trounced, and you're like, "Wow, the Thunder did it! They are the worst team maybe in NBA history." How how did this happen? And then yeah. they like turn this corner where you're like, "Well, they're clearly better. Like they're clearly better than Houston. They beat them Obviously. up in OKC, and then they lose again by a bunch." And it was more reasonable the second time around they lost in Houston because they're without the plus-minus all-stars of Kenrich Williams and Mike Muscala. And even like Favors isn't great plus-minus, but like still having like a veteran that knows what he's up to, like that, that's always helpful. They, they can't solve the riddle that is the Toyota Center. The place <laughs> was jumping. Dude, the attendance was just embarrassing i know i mean we probably shouldn't say anything because i know it's really bad in okc too but yeah it was also bad in houston some of that's mondays like monday attendance has been really bad like for the thunder 
and that's just the eye test. Like any Monday game yeah. that I've gone to, there was a preseason game on a Monday, and it was like I can probably count the people that are here. You know, just myself. That's the, rough. Yeah, like the attendance can be counted by me, and. And Wednesdays have been better attended, and obviously, like weekend games are better too. But this game in particular, like, there's no draw from Houston. I mean, go ask any random person that likes the NBA. You don't even have to be people that don't like the NBA. Say, hey, give me name three people that are on the Rockets, and I bet you they couldn't do it. Well, I mean, even if you're a Rockets, I mean, if you're a diehard, you're interested in the team no matter what. But if you're just like a casual Rockets fan and you were wanting to go to a game, you wouldn't want to pick the one that Jalen Green isn't even going to play in. Mm-hmm. Like, who cares? No Jalen Green, no Mike Muscala. I mean, what's what's the point? What's the point? It's only getting 17 Shen Goon minutes <laughs> and they're not even playing Daniel Tice, you know? <laughs> What's the point? Hey, Roby kind of took it to Shangun a little bit in that game. What did you think about that? <laughs> uh, I didn't think much of it. I, I thought a, a lot <laughs> about your tweet, though. Oh, you did? Your, your like sly that. tweet. Your sly tweet trying to take your cheap shot at R. Alperin. Yep. At R. Alperin saying that he did, he, that Roby made him look like a 16th pick and then <laughs> immediately getting hate tweets. I got Shingoon supporters. Someone was so mad. That's just I'm I'm just messing around. Like I I I like Shingoon. I think it's great. You gotta stop messing. I gotta stop messing. I gotta stop messing. Around. Uh, I'm thrilled though because uh, the Rockets three game winning streak. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, Andrew, the reverse standings. It was looking scary. It was it looking was. scary. It was like, are we heading for another sixth overall pick? Yep. Which like fine, but please, we have to get a high pick one of these years. And then the Rockets turn it on. The Pelicans have turned it on. Ooh, the Pels this, is a big one, huh? Oh, yeah. The Pels I feel great about. I, I retweeted that um, graph, that chart from Ed Kupfer yep. yesterday, yep. where the Pelicans literally have had the hardest schedule so far, and they're going to have the easiest schedule going forward. Yep. So even if Zion is in and out of the lineup, you still got to feel good about them going forward. Like They're going to finish ahead of the Thunder. So that's good. Yeah, we got that one off the board, and then the teams at the bottom. I actually felt good because they all have about the same strength of schedule going mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. And I would say, like, I'm I'm feeling better about the Rockets now. Now we'll see because there's two competing factors. One, they finally went away from their double big lineup of Christian Wood and Daniel Tice, which was terrible by advanced stats. Yep, it's terrible to watch. I think it was hurting. It was obviously hurting their spacing, even though Daniel Tice will take some threes. It's hurting my eyes. They, hurting your eyes. They got rid of it. That lineup that they had last night, KPJ, Garrison Matthews, Eric Gordon, Jay Sean Tate, Christian Wood. Like That's not a playoff team, but that's a fine starting lineup. Competent. It's fine. Yeah. Yes. So they that's one competing thing. So like, okay, they've gotten away from the double bigs. That's great. But then the other thing is Jalen Green, one of the worst plus minuses one of the worst players just by advanced stats. Yeah. I, I mean, I still really like Jalen Green, but that's just what the advanced stats say. He's been one of the most harmful players, which is to be expected. I mean, Teo, I think, was last or he was like bottom five in the league last year. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's normal, but he's been out of the lineup. So when he comes back, we'll have to see how they look. Like when he comes back, you now have this new lineup where you don't have people clogging the lane. Maybe that makes it easier for Jalen Green. He starts playing better. The, the point is, I'm, I'm more hopeful than I've been 
in a few weeks about the Rockets. I feel like they really got something going and they got to they got to stick with it, Andrew. They got to stick with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at the injury report right now. Houston, DJ Augustine, Usman Garuba, Jalen Green all out. Like that's yeah. helpful. Like DJ Augustine when he played in OKC couldn't have been more disinterested in what was going on out there. I mean, it's just he was done. Uh and then for the Thunder, uh Gabriel Deck is listed as out on a G League assignment, which I think he'll be recalled today. But also, like he won't play anyways. Did, um, did they? Uh, is he actually going to play a game, or was it just no. he's working out with them? He was going. They were going to do. This is what Mark said yesterday. Is they, he, they were going to do in high a high intensity workout for practice that day, and they wanted to get him over there to do it because the Thunder weren't going to have one, and they mm. want him to stay in shape. So <laughs> that's. What if he just? What if they didn't do that and he just got giant by the end of the season? <laughs> just weighed like three hundred pounds at the end of the season. Oh no, we forgot. We forgot about you, Gabby. <laughs> no, he's just been enjoying Tex-Mex. Yeah, in Oklahoma City, just loading up at Ted's Escondido. <laughs> uh, it's possible. It's very possible. Uh, Derek Favors is listed as out with a non-COVID related illness. Uh, Vit Krejci is with the with the blue as well. Kenrich Williams is out with a a right ankle sprain, and then Mike Muscala is listed as questionable with right ankle soreness. He was a late scratch, like he was. I mean, he was taken out of the lineup like right before the game started the other night. Hmm. So, um, but like I said, with those plus minus all stars out, it really changes everything because there's nobody to come off the bench to flip the game and the starting lineup has really been bad in the first quarters and they've kind of relied on Kenrich and Mike to come in and flip the game for them and there's no game flippers coming off that bench right now it's a bunch of young guys that are still trying to figure things out I know Trey Mann had a nice game and I was I Ruby had a nice game but like they didn't flip the energy of the game and that's something that both those guys do so I was uh, uh, looking at the uh, playing time from that game. I was very interested in Baisley's minutes yeah. because one of one of the early season narratives is, uh, oh, you know, Marcus is has a has a he's not letting Poku play more than 15 minutes. Most games yeah. like he's having to prove himself. Same with Trey Mann. All that makes sense. But why is Baisley getting to play all these minutes? And it, it, I, do you think it's actually shifting right now? Or do you think it's just a matter of like, well, these games are kind of getting out of hand and, you know, whatever, why play Baisley? Because he, he only played 20 minutes in the game against Houston. And then mm-hmm. the game prior to that, he only played 21 minutes yeah. against Washington. He previously had typically been playing around 30 to 33 minutes. Early in the season, like in that first Houston game, he only played 17 minutes because it was a blowout. He only played 19 minutes in the game against Golden State. But do you think this is actually a trend or is this just a blip, like random... Mark is trying out different stuff in these couple of games. I think I, they know he's struggling. I asked specifically, like, what are, what's the the plan with Baisley? Like, he's struggling offensively. Is there any thought that he could, you know, come off the bench or yeah. change his role? And he said they hadn't really given that much consideration. So my guess is that this is more just kind of situational where things are out of hand and Roby's playing well, so let's give Roby a little bit more run. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's necessarily like a 
were looking to do something different with Baisley because it really didn't seem like that at all. Asking Mark yesterday, it didn't seem like hmm. they were trying that they were going to do anything different. And some of that is that there's nobody off the bench that's like pushing for that role. I know that I was thinking about that because I mean, we would like to see, you know, maybe Poku, but yeah. I don't know if you like, I, I understand why they don't want Poku to be their starting power forward. Yeah. Poku's not lighting the world on fire right now. I mean, if he was coming <laughs> off the bench scoring like 15 a game, then we, I, I think it would be like, yeah, like there's no reason to not start right. him. But like he's coming off the bench, putting up, Two, three, and one. It's like, okay, well, basically, what about basically at least defends? You know, what about the idea of you know we saw Isaiah Roby last night. Would you sure. like to see more Isaiah Roby, more Roby JRE front lines? No, no, <laughs> nothing there. <laughs> I mean, to get you excited. They're both like four or five tweeners. Yeah, like ugh, sorry, like it's. I mean, if you want to get, you'll get worse defensively, certainly, if you put Roby out there. And Roby had a nice night. He was eight of 10 from the field. Like, he's not going to shoot 80% from the field. You know, like, that's just not going to mm. happen. So, yes, he had a good night. I don't think it's anything to overreact to. It's, that's fine. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with like keeping Baisley in there and, you know, using this season to like solidify that, like, yes. Darius Baisley is not a part of the future of the Thunder. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, yeah. It feels like they've already made that decision about Teo, who only yeah. got six minutes in this game. Like it, it, he's out of the rotation, like totally. And he's going back to the he's going to be going back to the blue soon, too. Yeah. And and in his case, there is someone pushing him for minutes yeah. because you have Trey Mann now. Trey's been good. It's not it's not just Ty Jerome which in Oklahoma City world is a veteran. Yeah. You actually have this young rookie that you want to get minutes for. Mm -hmm. And Trey Mann is so much, obviously, like they're completely different players, but he's so much more dynamic when oh, he's out yeah. on the court. I was actually looking at Teo's game log um, because you've, you know of game score on basketball reference mm -hmm. where it's, it's trying to do like a quick and dirty summation of how good a player was, mostly offensively. Yep. And like a, a decent game would be like somewhere in the realm of like 20, a game score of 20. Like Shea's had a lot of games around 20. Teo, I didn't realize you could have negative game scores. <laughs> that was brought to my attention when looking through Teo's box score. He's had three negative games, a zero, a 0 0.5, a 0 0.7, 0 0.8. Like he is putting up, when he is out on the court, if we're using that as a quick and dirty like statistic, he is not impacting the game. So at bad. all like not doing anything it is it's it a, been rough he's made three threes on the season that feels right that <laughs> feels about right <laughs> where, he's, <laughs> where he's been yeah i he's shooting 11.5 percent from yeah. three yeah on the season low attempts i i'm not i'm not completely giving up on teo I'm not completely giving up hope on Teo. Um, it's not even like, it's not even about giving up hope. It's like, where is he going to get minutes going forward? Because yeah. I feel like the roster crunch that we talk about in the future. Like, yeah, there's, that's, you that's could, real. That's real. This yeah, season, well, I think but, there will be a time. No, I I'm, think there'll be a time this season that he'll get. Minutes. But I'm saying like, that roster crunch is going to happen, but it, there's like no chance of it happening with the bigs this year. Like yeah. we could literally bring in another player and find them minutes in the front court. 
No but doubt. I feel like the roster crunch is already there with the guards. Like the fact that Ty Jerome can't get consistent minutes and he he's been one of the better players on the team mm-hmm. just in terms of like consistency. Mm-hmm. I, I was going back looking at a PER because I, one of my bold predictions in the preseason was that only one Thunder player oh, yeah. would have above a 15 PER. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't think that will end up being true, but right now there's only four. So like I have a shot. Yeah. This is I have a shot. And, and, and one of those is Ty Jerome. Mike Muscal is the one who's going to screw it up for me because he's obviously going to be a, about 15. Yeah, no question. He's already locked it in. Yeah, <laughs> he probably has. Yeah. He probably has. And who knows? I mean, I don't, I'm interested to see how much Mike plays the rest of the season. I think he'll play the rest of the season. But I'm interested yeah. to see what that looks like. Because there is a chance that we don't see much Muscala moving forward. Because that's one of... I, I, think, I think it's pretty obvious that if you are following what the Thunder are doing that they have some levers to pull and that the levers that they need to pull to stay at the bottom of these tankathon standings, right? Like they if you want to get one of the top two picks in this draft, then you have to be bad. Like you just have to be. And you look at what Mike and Kenrich and all these other guys are doing and it might behoove behoove them to go find another big and be like, you know what? We want to try to get minutes for the next Tony Bradley or whoever it is, you know, rather than yeah. throwing Mike out there. Just to see if you can find something. Yeah, see if you can find something or just to s- honestly not have a game flipper out there. Not a game flipper. Moses Brown started for the Mavs. Yeah. Did you hear that? <laughs> he did. <laughs> it didn't go well. He did. No, it didn't go well. Who's surprised? You, okay. Uh, you said uh, top two. I would like to... This isn't a bold prediction, but I just want to stake my claim that mm-hmm. I would be thrilled, equally thrilled, Yeah. If, if the Thunder got any of the top three guys. Okay. Who's, your, who's the third guy? Jabari Smith. Because okay. each of those guys offers something that the Thunder are lacking in. Yeah. You talked about it with Paolo, how... like. He's a high-level scorer, Bro. something that the Thunder are going to need at some point. Yeah, Chet, obviously, great rim defender, something they do not have yeah. on the roster right now. Mm-hmm. But then Jabari Smith, way better shooter than Paolo or Chet. Yeah, he's he he is the kind of player, and you'd have to wonder what the Thunder's thought process would be between him and Chet. Or, I mean, yeah, I was about to say, or him or Paolo. Because, like, seriously, for a team that is so focused on defense, like, Jabari Smith is, like, worlds better yeah. than Paolo. I mean, he, he is so much... He is he is a 3 and D who has the potential to grow into, like, a big-time score. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying right now, on December 1st, mm-hmm. I would be equally thrilled... If they got any of those three, because I think all of them are bringing something that the Thunder desperately need. Yeah. Beyond that is where I start. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think for Thunder fans, we want Jaden Ivey to be as good as possible. Yeah. In the hopes that someone who needs a guard early is is going to like sure. jump at the chance to take Jaden Ivey. Yeah. Because I don't think 
I mean, who knows? Maybe if he's the best player available, Oklahoma City takes him. But mm-hmm. that w- now, like the guard crunch is like unsolvable. No yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's and in a in a draft like this where there are so many bigs and so many good bigs. Yeah, it would be it would be similar to like the Sixers taking too many centers to start their process. Yeah, like you get it because it's BPA. Yeah, not the chemical best yeah. player available. Yeah, but. It really hamstrings your development of those guys. Yeah, Yanni in the uh, chat says that Jabari is a full calendar year younger than Paolo and Chet. That is also true. Yes, and you know how I love young guys. You're all about full, age. Full calendar year, already shooting like 40% from three, can guard, he says all five positions, although he did say he cannot guard Jokic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he admitted that. I, I just think like, any of those top three, I am just over the moon. Yeah, I, this is this is an important draft, and it's and I mentioned this on Monday, but it's 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 kind of great that they got giddy in this past draft, just because the the bigs that are in this draft, like that's where the need is. And had they drafted a big or even Kaminga, who yeah. might end up playing more power forward in the league. Like it would be, then you'd have to be like, well, where, like, where does that fit? Like, how does that, like, how does it work? Because that ultimately will matter. You know, obviously, you want to just get the most talent on the court possible and then figure it out. But with the yeah. way the Thunder are building, like, there's a lot of intentionality behind the positions. And like, one thing like Jabari would bring is just like this, like positionless basketball stuff. And Paolo to a degree could bring that to a chat. I mean, Chet could too. So all those guys could bring like this, like positionless, like what are they? Who's guarding who? Why is this happening this way? Like, how do we, how do we deal with the thunder? Like they're, they're just weird. And like, could be, you know, a team that maybe sets some trends too, with just the size they're going to have at every single position. I think, uh, and the other thing is, like, I don't think necessarily any of those players are going to be as impactful as Evan Mobley. Sure. But if you brought in a Chet or a Jabari, like a, mm. a high-level defender, and subbed out, you know, Baisley in the starting lineup for Jabari or whoever were playing at center for Chet, I, I don't think they would be as good as Cleveland is this year, but I, I do think you would see a significant, like, improvement in the team overall, like mm-hmm. year over year. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I would see them being around like the thirty wins now. It's po- yeah, it, yes. Eventually, this Thunder team is going to win thirty-two games. Like that's going yeah. to happen, whether it's next season or the season after. Whereas Hopefully. if Palo came on the team, I think they still might be kind of bad. For, I, uh, why do you think that? Because I just don't think that he's necessarily helping you defensively the way those other two guys are in his rookie season. Yeah, but what if you're? What if he helps your offense? Because that's where the Thunder are hurting, just desperate. Like that's where they're just desperate. It's just like, can we get can we get somebody to score? Can we get somebody to do it? Like they're the they're an average def- defense already with all with starting two rookies. You know, that's true. That's true. So maybe if Palo comes in, they bump up to like the twentieth ranked def- or offense, and they're still like a mid pack defense. Yeah, and the thing about the thing I love about Mark with this squad is like you don't you don't play unless you play defense. Like you just don't, you know, it's like similar to like Popovich. Like you just don't play. You're not going to play. 
And yeah. it's like, like Trey, you can hear Trey, like how desperate, like he really wants to get minutes. And when he talks after games, like all he wants to talk about is like getting loose balls, you know, closing out, getting rebounds. That's all he wants to talk about because he knows like <laughs> a part of that is like the key to him getting playing time. And I don't know how much Mark listens to those press conferences, but you know, if he does and he hears all he's talking about is defense, he's been like, all right. He, he knows the secret sauce. He does. And he's buying in. I mean, Trey's been good. Trey's played well and deserves to have those minutes. And you mix in like the defense and the rebounding and everything that he's bringing with just the pure shot creation stuff that he brings to the table. It's like, okay, like he's really, he's interesting. I don't know what kind of NBA player he's going to be. You know, there's, that's still like way up in the air, but he's at least showing some stuff early on that is encouraging. And I'm glad that he's being encouraged to shoot more. It seems like that's a big focus of the team as well. I mean, we heard Mark talk about it, yeah. like Shay's, you know, helping him out doing shooting drills. Like mm-hmm. they want him to be that scorer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has to, like it, you could tell it was frustrating Mark at the beginning of the season. And you could see it too, just like watching him get out there. Like he would have these opportunities where you're like, okay, now like, like, there's your step back. Like, there's your pull up. There's like, you can see it. He's just not taking it. And he's finally starting to take those. And like his, his acrobatic finishes at the rim, like through contact, it's like, Oh, like those are the moments at the the outside shooting and everything. I think he's already got that, but the finishing around the rim stuff has been like, Oh, I guess that's pretty, well, makes him like way more interesting as a player. Yeah. I feel like the outside shooting, like everything, but the shot, is there and it has been there. Yeah. But like in that, in that Houston game, despite going one of five from three, like the way he was attacking the basket and getting to the line, like you could imagine a scenario where he's filling that role of like a Lou Williams off the bench. Yeah. Because that was, that was what Lou will was so good at. Like, yes, he was a great scorer and he could shoot threes, but he got to the line a ton. Yeah. And if Trey man could be that type of guy coming off the bench, it would just be a huge boost to this offense. Yeah. Trey, uh, from zero to three feet, you know what he's shooting on the season? Trey, zero to three feet on the season. He is shooting 61%. 84.6%. Whoa, 84. He's like making everything. And it's not a ton. It's only like 18% of his shots. Uh-huh. Um, but... That's that's really something. I mean, he's it's the number it's the best number on the team. Uh, next is Isaiah Roby at seventy six percent. Next, Lou Dort sixty nine percent from zero to three feet. Josh uh-huh. Giddy sixty five. Shea sixty three. Favors sixty two. That's pretty good. Uh, let's hone in on that Giddy number because the, his game against Houston is probably one of his worst. Offensively, in terms of his own scoring, I'm calling it. It was his worst, it was and uh, like straight, straight, and bad. and, and it kind of reminded me of Dort's rookie season, where like he's getting left wide open from three. Yeah, and on the one hand, you're like, well, I guess you got to take it because it's wide open. He's got to take it, yeah. But on the other hand, like it's not going in, and because he's being forced into that shot that he is not good at right now, it's taking away so much of the rest of his game. Because when he drives, 
something interesting happens the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. He's doing something, whether he's creating something for someone else or like you just mentioned with his 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 uh, field goal percentage, zero to three feet, he's doing something for himself. Mm-hmm. And that, but I don't know what he's supposed to do because they're they're sagging so far off of him. Mm-hmm. It's like what you can't. What are you just going to drive into like three guys around the basket? Like I understand why he's taking those threes, but like he has to start making threes so that someone guards him. Because when someone does come out on him, he doesn't shoot the three. He instantly starts driving, and everything looks better. Mm-hmm. And he has to make some kind of adjustment. And maybe it's you know him coming off of more like dribble handoffs so they can get him going downhill more. But when he's playing off ball and they're passing it to him and he's just like, okay, well, there's no one within 20 feet of me. I guess I will shoot this three and it clanks off. It just takes so much away from his game and what he's what he's bringing to this team. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about it. I think it's something he's got to work on in the offseason, honestly. I don't think it's going to get any better. I want him to continue to take them, though, because I think it's it's good for him to get the reps and for... Almost for him, because he's so competitive that I don't think he's going to... And hopefully it never gets to this point where he's like, oh man, like I'm just not a three-point shooter. I got to think he needs to keep taking him because it's his. It's a swing skill for him. And he. I don't want him to be afraid to take them. So like, if you shoot 28% from three on the season, like who really cares? Like it's not, it's not about this season. It's not about that like get in the gym get better in the off season improve you know even if he's only like a 32 33 percent three-point shooter for his career that's fine like but you got to take him I mean, but andrew what to. if he begins to tumble down the rookie rankings andrew <laughs> yeah. I, I just just do not care i just could not i just i i need him to get better you know in the off season and because if he can figure out a three-point shot and it's been, you know, like everybody just wants to talk about like the other Australian players that have gotten better. Like Patty Mills was not a great three-point shooter when he came into the league. You know, Joe Ingles wasn't known as a shooter early in his career. Um, maybe it's some Australian thing. Like, who Oh knows? my gosh. Our Australian listeners, let us know. Let us know if it's a thing. Do they have a three-point line in Australia? <laughs> maybe they don't. I just think he's going to he's going to work and get better. And I don't know if he'll ever be a knockdown Joe Ingles type of shooter, but if even if he's just even below league average at like 33-34%, like that's still great, you know. Uh Andrew, I wanted to go through I want to play a little game with you. Ooh, I like games. So, I'm going to read off a team that could potentially be in contention for like a top oh, 4ish pick. Woj news. Woj News. Did you see it? No, I'm not on Twitter. I'm focusing on the pod. Sorry, they're making Chicago and New Orleans forfeit picks. Just their next available second round pick. Yeah, that's right. Who cares? Could be JR. I, I would say worth like it. Player. Who knows? Uh, both of those teams would say worth it because they, they gave up nothing. True. That for Lowry for- and Ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah, true. All right. That's all. <laughs> okay. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, back to my game, which you rudely interrupted. I'm going to name off teams. I have a chance to be in the top four. You're going to tell me, because we talked about Jaden Ivey, you're going to tell me which teams would, in your mind, uh, lean more to wanting to draft a big versus wanting to draft a guard. Slash, we'll say slash wing. Because, I mean, I guess... Patrick Baldwin Jr. Uh, is going to be up there. You're not a PBJ guy anymore. <clears throat> no, I, no, I still am. I still am. I, I'd be open to him, but I'm, I'm just trying to figure out like which teams are def would definitely be prioritizing a big, because I think there's more than you realize, mm-hmm. more than we realize. Okay, let's start with Orlando. Mm. They've got a lot of bigs. They got Bamba. But they also the Bamba. Yes. They've got Franz Wagner, who's like a, who's a four. Isaac. Isaac, they don't need Coming a big. Back. They need that Wendell Carter. They don't really need a guard. They need a wing. They need a PBJ. They need a PBJ. Okay, great. So good start. Bigs available. Next, Detroit. They could use big a big city. They could use a they big. Could, uh, yeah, big time. Yeah. Houston. It all depends on Christian Wood. Big. Like, what is like the future of Christian Wood? Are they going to give him an extension? Do no. they think of him as a guy that should belong with this team for a long time? Like, I don't no. know. What they're they- going to trade him, and it's going to be a smart idea. Maybe. 
we'll see. He's 26. He only has a year after this one. Yeah, I know. I know. That's why I'm saying it. That's why I'm like trade him. I'm like saying, what's the? I'm saying they're the a big team. They're definitely not a guard team. They're a wing. I think they're more of a wing because they've got Shangun. They still have Usman Garuba. That's true. That's true. Maybe they're a PBJ team. They, but still, to, they. To me, they're more of a PBJ team. But but like you could play like if they could get Chet Chet with Shangun, probably works. Yeah, maybe. Jabari Smith with Shangun probably Jabari works. Smith, New Orleans. Yeah, Jamar, Jabari Smith. That's a Jabari Smith team for sure. Yeah. New Orleans. <sighs> I mean, they they could take a guard. They they need a. Yeah, they need a guard pretty badly. Jaden Ivey would be pretty cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. On the Pelicans. Yeah, I agree. Uh, San Antonio. Isn't that crazy? San Antonio. So they've had the 27th hardest schedule. Mm-hmm. So, a.k.a. the fourth easiest. They have the fourth hardest coming up. They're the team I'm most interested to see where they end up. Because right now, they're 6-13. and 13, mm-hmm. But they've won two in a row. They're starting... And, and going back to the beginning of the season, even when they were terrible, their point differential was good for a team that was losing that much. I have no idea what to think about them. You kind of just hope that Pop is going to take them over whatever line we need them to get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because I, they beat they beat the Celtics and the Wizards. Mm-hmm. They play at Portland tomorrow night, which they could easily win that game. I don't, I, I'm, they're not going to be pulling plugs like the Thunder will, I don't think. Like the Thunder should. You know, like I don't think that they're going to be like, well, we need to... Well, the crazy thing with the Spurs or... is always like, what plug are you going to pull? Like, look at the roster. Like, the plugs have been pulled. They pulled it with DeRozan leaving, Patty Mills leaving, Rudy Gay. LMA leaving, Rudy Gay. Like, the plugs, there's nothing. They're playing Drew Eubanks. Drew Eubanks took it to the Thunder the other night. Don't care. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's such a Spurs big man in so many ways. He is. Um, I think he is. I think he is the most, like, if you just, even like a fan of the NBA. Yeah. If you just showed them names of players that are currently on NBA rosters, <laughs> Drew Eubanks would be the one that most people would say, I have no idea who that is. I've never seen that name in my life. Yeah, that's uh yeah, you've got to be you got to be in the nitty-gritty. You got to be hardcore. You got to be talking to Bruno Passos. What about like Shimizu Metu? Is that another one? Probably, although he did get the boost by being in a starting lineup now, so maybe that helped him a little bit. I don't know who's watching the Kings, though. Yeah, nobody. I'm kind of a Metsu guy. I like him, by the way. Uh, why would you like anyone on the I feel so bad for the Kings. <laughs> did We're you getting... see the quote last night? From Alvin Gentry? Yeah. Just apologizing? Yes. Just saying, yeah, we, we're terrible. Uh, I'm sorry. You have to watch that. Skeets tweeted it this morning. <laughs> I have to read it. It's so. It's just so sad. It is just so sad. I want to apologize to every Kings fan out there because you don't deserve this. The second half was a disaster, and it was an embarrassment. We can't do what we did in the second half. The fans don't deserve that. It's true. It's true. I'm just trying to imagine and it, and it a also, scenario where it applies, Mark gets up, gets up on the podium and says that. <laughs> it applies to the last uh, decade and a half, though. Someone's finally apologizing to Kings fans. Yeah, yeah. it applies to the past 16 years of basketball. I, I can't even... The, the, I follow a couple people on Kings Twitter, yeah. and it's getting, it's getting dark. 
It has to. Like, what? At what point do you just say, you know what? Like, we're close enough to San Francisco. <laughs> you know, well, like close enough. Th- there's people, you know, like that we do. We do podcasts and whatever, yeah. and, and some people have blogs who are tweeting out like, if I did not have to do this mm-hmm. <laughs> for my job, I probably would not be watching the Kings right now. We don't have a Kings beat writer for the Athletic anymore. He's doing. Uh, he moved over to Jason Jones. Moved over doing something else. I'm sure he's just breathing fresh air, not having to cover the Man. Kings. Anytime I talk to, to Jason, <laughs> he's just like, they'll never be good. Never. He's like, I don't care. You can put LeBron on this team. They'll never be good. He's like, never, ever will this team be good. They just won't. And it's like so people, wild, people try to encourage him, like, no, what if they got, you know, so and so? He's like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I don't care what pick they get in the draft. They're going to screw it up. I I just don't know what they're supposed to do because uh, they need to trade for Ben Simmons. Like they just they just need to do they need to do whatever trade. I don't care what to, the trade is. Like just go trade to for what ben Simmons. end though? Like, Who can, like you have to try something different. No, but okay. So this is my point because uh, there was a poll going around King's Twitter where it was like, "What do you want this team to do? Do you want them to go star hunting? Yeah. Do you want them to tank?" Or do you want them to try to like, you know, make some moves to try to get this team to the playoffs? Just like trying to trade for like, you know, slightly better players. Yeah. yeah. And it's really split. Like, because they have never tanked. They do not tank. They just stink. Yeah. They end up as like the fifth through 10th pick every single year. But they never got the second pick. They screwed it up. Right. And that was jumping up, I believe. I believe they jumped up that year. To get that second pick. I just like, I don't know what the answer is. Like, I guess Ben Simmons buys you a little time. I mean, he's a good player. He, he's one of those players like a Tyrese Halliburton where you feel like he is a quote unquote winning player. Yeah. And he's going to make your team better. Even if like the stats don't always look it. He made the all NBA team. They don't have anybody on their team that's going to make all NBA ever. But the problem is like, I don't know if they have the package like, because I don't know if Philly really wants De'Aaron Fox at this point. No, maybe he's not a part of the deal. Maybe it's something else. (sighs) They would have to be a wild overpay. It'd have to be like Barnes healed and picks. And at that point, like now you're probably worse again. Like the Kings are probably worse. Maybe, but you're at least different. I don't know. I would be, Barnes, I don't know what I would be picks, at this point. Like, you have to do that. I'm sorry. Like, you get to keep Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox and add Ben Simmons. Like, you have to do that. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I should have thrown in Halliburton. Because, again, I, if if Philly would have done... Even that. ...would do Heald and Barnes, they would have probably done it by now. Yeah, yeah. They would have done... Yes, that would have been done already. Yeah. That's... And if you're Philly, if you're Philly and you could get Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton, like you just like more shooting around Embiid, like you could be like great. And I'm sure that like Maury would want something like that because it's like you take 53s a game. <laughs> like what's the, what's the limit with that squad now that you have like two two guys that can really shoot it. And the great thing for the for the Thunder is the Kings, they're eight and thirteen. <laughs> They're, like they're they're not like the worst team in the league. 
They have eight wins. Yeah. They're actually right where they've always been. They're right. Nothing that's happening this year is different. They're st- the, the the thing is that it's always the same. Yeah. They they don't tank. They don't get better. They are stuck perennially, perennially. Yeah. On the uh, on the the treadmill of mm-hmm. mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, too bad for them. <laughs> yeah. There's. Thank thankful to not be a Kings fan. Thankful to uh, have a decent owner. Well, and a good general manager too. You know. But you you wouldn't even know it. Like based on what you hear about the Kings, like it doesn't even really matter who the GM is. No, it doesn't. But to have to ca- to have the combination that we have in Oklahoma City, though, it's pretty. It's pretty. Well, cool. I was, I, I tweeted it out, but I was actually kind of surprised because Hollinger and Duncan did their organizational rankings, uh-huh. and I don't know. Part of me was just thinking, like, well, you know, we're a bad team right now, like. If we're in like the 11 to 20 range, I'm not going to be shocked. Yeah. But both of them had, I mean, Nate had us as the fifth overall and Hollinger had us as eighth overall. Yeah. Which I, I thought was pretty impressive. And because those guys, uh, I mean, have been hard on OKC in the past for various things. Yeah. And and it, it was just nice to hear a, a national voice like believe in what's going on in OKC despite the win-loss record. Yeah, no, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Like, you kind of have to... If you're going to be a viable franchise in Oklahoma, like, you kind of have to have that. Like, you do, because they're, they're not saying that about Houston, who, by many accounts, is in, like, a very similar position to OKC. Like, they have these future picks coming in from Brooklyn yep. and from Milwaukee, I think. And or even New Orleans. They have, and New Orleans. And they... Or, yeah, or New Orleans. Like they're not saying it about those teams who are also in a kind of similar position to OKC. They have some young stars. They have some young players that you like. They have future flexibility. But the difference is with the the owner and the GM. Yeah, owner GM, like a very firm plan as to what they're doing. You know, you don't have that with New Orleans. We'll see what that looks like in Houston over the next couple of years. Uh, I have no doubt that the Thunder will stick to the plan. <laughs> I have very little doubt that they will, which I think yeah. is is really important. And like even and this is like a stretch, a little bit to like connect it to the Lincoln Riley stuff that's been going on in Oklahoma. But like, in order to have like a a a sports like a viable like sports team that is going to compete at a high level, like you have to have like a firm plan. And like a really good general manager, really good ownership. And because like people are going to leave, like people are going to leave. It is money. It's glamour. It's being by the beach. It's like all that stuff is like, is going to call people away from Oklahoma. Like that's just the way that it is. And if the Thunder went after free agents, if they tried to trade for towns, if they tried to do all these things that they could probably try to do right now, the sustainability of it is in question. I think you have to, I think they have to do it this way. Like it even, it confirms it a little bit more to me um, that you kind of just like, you have to, this plan is the right one and they have to stick to it. Yeah. Like, I mean the ideal you, you would hope like OKC with a Jokic type superstar you would feel like amazing. You'd feel yeah. like, okay, this is good for all of time. Like, cause it just feels like Jokic is the type of player who's going to be in Denver his whole career. Oh, like John, you almost like want Josh. that yeah. type of overlooked superstar. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I think that Shay and Josh could be those type of guys if they reach their peaks. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe Shay less so. Um, but Josh, like, certainly has that feel to him. Um, like, yeah. Ka- Kawhi was actually kind of one of those guys before he ended up going to L.A. Yes. Where, like, the general NBA population, like, everyone knew he was good. They all recognized it, but no one's getting, like, excited about Kawhi. Yeah. You know, like, in the 2017 MVP race, he was third. Like, everyone was talking about Westbrook and Harden. Yeah. He didn't have that type of star power. But that type of a star on OKC, I think, would do really well. Yeah. And yeah. Even though he, he did leave. <laughs> he did leave. Two teams. He left a team after the NBA title. You know? Just <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you have any Lincoln thoughts that you want to unload on everybody before we go? Oh, Lincoln Riley? Yeah. Um, I would say I, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> Okay, for, uh, before I say I'm excited, I'm excited. I will fully okay, acknowledge. Okay, you got to let people know. I don't know that everybody knows that you're an OU grad. Um, I am an OU grad. I uh, used to, my dad used to work for a company that did all of the like PR shots for OU, so I would get to go to like every uh, media day and be on the field. I'd get to go to a lot of games with my dad because he shot on like sideline mm-hmm. shots on the field. I, so I spent a lot of my youth on the sidelines at OU games, went to a lot of bowl games, all that big fan. But as I got older, moved away. Now I, you know, I watch all the games, but you know, I'm not, I'm not a diehard that said, okay, before I say what I'm going to say, I fully <laughs> acknowledge that this could uh, send them down a spiral, which I know that you are hoping for. I know all the OU, OSU fans are hoping that I, won't, I wasn't going to say it. I won't say yes, it. you are. Oh, you I, know want fra- OU to... I know how fragile everybody is right now. I'm just going to sit quietly and just enjoy myself. <laughs> you want OU to spiral. You want them to go to the SEC and get embarrassed. I fully admit that that is a strong, maybe strong possibility of what could happen. Yeah. That said, this is the most invested and excited and engaged I've been about OU football in at least four seasons, at least since Kyler was here. Wow. The the three years with Jalen and then Spencer and then whatever this year was, like it was just a steady progression of me getting less and less interested in this team because yeah. you see, and I know, I know it's OU fans are so spoiled and entitled. We don't even care about big 12 championships. We won six and a half. We don't even care. Yeah. But it, it's true at a certain point, <laughs> you just kind of like get bored of this team. And it's like, what does it even mean to win the Big 12? Who cares? Because you want to win a championship. So I am excited because all possibilities are open <laughs> at this point. Now, uh, some a lot of those possibilities are them being terrible, Andrew. It's they possible. could be absolutely terrible. We could be ending, entering a dark period as we did in the 1990s yeah. when I was sitting at a uh, OU Colorado game in the uh, south end zone, basically by myself. It was me, my dad, and my uncle. No one was there. No one cared. We could be heading back there. Yeah. It, 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 we could have another Schnellenberger, John Blake era. Oh, no, John Blake. Yeah. But all that said, I'm just I'm still excited because until I know, until that happens, anything is possible. Anything is possible, Andrew. <laughs> uh, it uh, it is definitely more exciting to follow, without a doubt, isn't it? For now, for now it is like that. For now. I, I and I, I like I love Eddie Radosovich. He's on the radio here. He's a, a friend of ours. We went to elementary school with Eddie. Um, 
I don't listen to Eddie's podcast. <laughs> you know, like I don't, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I had never listened to it before this happened. Yeah. I, I hadn't either. And I, I was refreshing my feed whenever I saw them say like, it's coming. Cause I was like, all right, let's go. You let's know, go. Yeah. Is, Hell yeah. 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 No, it's good. I, I, yeah. I, I think it's, it's just going to be a lot of fun. And the, the funniest part, if I can take a little jab at OU fans is that, you know, we're all excited that like Bob Stoops is there to like weather this storm. And yeah. I am very thankful to Bob Stoops. Obviously yeah. he bought, brought this team in championship. Stoops troops. Stoops troops. But as I sent to you, you know, everyone's going crazy. Oh, we love Bob so much. Well, <laughs> I found, because I remembered it, I found a mailbag question sent to Bill Simmons yeah. in 2009 yeah, yeah. describing what it was like to be a fan of Oklahoma at that time. And mm. I think people just forget like how run into the ground the Bob Stoops era felt at that time and going up. I mean, he didn't even leave until a few years later. And now everyone wants Brent Venables back, which I get it. He's a good recruiter in like SEC country, but we hated that guy too. Yeah. We just like want, we want to recapture this past that I don't feel like we don't, we're not willing to admit that like we kind of got sick of all of it (laughs) to like an alarming degree. So whatever (laughs) I'm open to anything is what Uh, I'm saying. Oh, it's very, very exciting stuff. It's very exciting stuff. Uh, All right. That's all we got for today. Enjoy the uh, Tankathon Bowl tonight down at the Paycom Center. If you're going to be there, I'll be there too. Say hello if you'd like. Um, We do have a special pod on Saturday with Sam Vecini on Slam and Jam. If you aren't subscribed to the Athletic NBA show and you like to hear Alex and I talk more, you can subscribe to that. Listen to us on Saturday. Sam Vecini is going to be talking about the rookies. Get some Josh Giddy talk on that pod, so be sure to subscribe and listen for that. Uh, I've been working on a new Down to Dunk intro with the players in it. I think that will be dropping on Friday. Um, <laughs> so be ready for that. It is the... I don't really know where I'm going with it, but uh, it should be uh, at least... At least a little weird, a little fun. So, all right. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.